You're listening to the Pursue God Family Podcast, the official channel for marriage and parenting topics at PursueGod.org. Join Tracy and Brian Dwyer every week as they talk about living biblically in an increasingly secular world. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash family. Hey, couples, today we're going to talk through the third pillar for a healthy marriage. Tracy, we've already talked about the first two pillars, love. You have to choose love. Love is a choice, not just a feeling. Then last time we talked about how important trust is, and trust is something that you have to earn. You can't just, you know, expect your spouse to extend trust to you. It's not like forgiveness. Forgiveness is proactive. Trust is reactive. Today, we actually get to the third, and there's only three pillars. We get to the third pillar that is really just all about a practical skill. And today we're going to talk about the skill of communication, talking with your spouse. Sometimes that means conflict. So so for many couples listening to this podcast, I think they're, they're going to gain some very, very practical skills that maybe they never even learned. And Tracy, we always like to tell couples this, you know, love and trust are so foundational, but Many couples never develop this simple skill. In a sense, this is the easiest of these three pillars because it's just all about learning, you know, putting something in your toolbox that maybe you didn't have in the first place. Well, yeah, and communication is one of those things that you can tell right away if you're doing well at communicating with each other or you're not. And so communication, in fact, maybe some of you have been waiting, (laughs) waiting to hear more about communication, like love is great. Okay, fine. Trust. Yes, we understand trust is important. But where we really struggle is we don't know how to talk to each other. And when we get in an argument, we just we fight for days, or we both shut down and we never resolve it. So this one's a really, um, probably one of the bigger felt needs of for couples, especially that are struggling. Yeah, in fact, one of the questions in today's conversation, we hope you are talking about this with a mentor or a mentoring couple, or maybe just on a date night with your spouse. One of the questions that you can find at pursuegod.org slash family is how have you viewed conflict in your marriage up until now? And Tracy, that question really kind of goes back for most people, it's going to go back to their family of origin. How did your family fight? How did my family fight? I thought we could have a little bit of fun and share our stories of that. I'll I'll start. When we got married, I was 26, you were 24. And I had no idea how to do healthy conflict. Because my family of origin, my parents, my siblings, we, we were the kind of people who tended to sweep things under the rug. And therefore, we were never really dealing with it. And then I get into a relationship with you, we get married, and I find out that you are not afraid of conflict at all. Well, now... Careful there, Bri. I am definitely not a sweep under the rug person. We'll talk in a few minutes about the different fight languages that we tend to have. Um, and it, because in my family, conflict was not something to fear. I mean, we were very open as a family. We talked about things that were upsetting us or frustrating us. If we were upset with somebody in our family, we would talk about it. Unfortunately, in my family, though, our the negative side of that was if you were upset, you yelled. Um, so that was like your indication, like I'm mad, so I'm yelling. Uh, so when I, growing up to me, I would react a little bit more to a raised voice, but unfortunately that's also my bent. My fight language is more escalation yelling, but in my family, I wasn't afraid. We weren't afraid to have conflict and we were always very quick to ask for forgiveness when we messed up. 
Yeah, for couples out there who are thinking about that question, how did you view conflict in marriage? Stick with us because we're going to give you some fight languages. Everybody knows about the five love languages. Well, we've developed three fight languages. But I, I want you to really think about that for your marriage. Um, coming into your marriage, how do you view conflict? Because a lot of couples view conflict as the enemy. They think that that fighting is is not right, that you shouldn't fight in a marriage and we actually really disagree with that because, because when you avoid conflict, a lot of times that really means you're not fighting for your marriage anymore. A lot of times that means your marriage is going in the wrong direction rather than in the right direction. And so principle number one is in general is about healthy couples talking and communicating. But before we even get to just general conversation and communication, Tracy, let's talk about how healthy couples fight right. When we've counseled couples before, Tracy, what comes to mind for you if one or both spouses say, oh, we never fight, we never have conflict? Yeah, that's usually an indication of a problem, right? That maybe they're not being authentic with each other. Maybe they're afraid to be honest about how they're feeling about things. So they're just not really fully engaging at a level that would maybe bring about a more passionate conversation. So to me, usually when a couple says that, my alarm bells go up just a little bit. I mean, for some couples, depending on your personality types and in your phase of life, I mean, maybe you don't have a lot of conflict in your relationship and good for you. But for most of us, Usually couples that are talking like we don't ever fight, it's because they're just afraid to enter into conversations that might be inviting some conflict because they're not sure how their spouse is going to respond or maybe how they themselves will respond to it. Yeah, I love this verse from Ephesians 4, verse 29. Now, this isn't speaking, Paul isn't writing here to the church in Ephesus about marriage in particular, but we love to apply this to marriage. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I like that part. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So sometimes that means you need to be in conflict. As long as, you're con as, long as the fight that you're starting, the conflict that you're engaging in is to strengthen your marriage, then it's good and helpful. And so then there are times when, when you avoid conflict and that's actually hurtful to your marriage. So it's biblical to make sure that everything you say is good and helpful. And that means that sometimes you need to engage in conflict. Sometimes you need to be willing to fight. Again, if one of you is listening to this and saying, Tracy, I remember we had some friends where anytime they got into a fight, husband and wife, and it was, we're not talking like, you know, pulling each other's hair out, throwing pans at each other. We're just, anytime they got into, into a fight, the spouse, the wife felt like it was wrong and it was bad and they were heading toward divorce and we had to share with them look this as long as you're doing it right it's a good thing so if you're knee jerk if you're listening to this and your knee jerk reaction is to avoid fighting at any cost i really encourage you to keep listening because there is such a thing as fighting right and and if you love your marriage if you love your spouse you should be willing to fight not just for your marriage but you should even be willing to fight in your marriage, but that means you need to fight right. So Tracy, let's talk about the three fight languages, just like there are 
Love languages we talk about in other resources on our site. There are also what we like to call the three fight languages. And these are three ways that people kind of default. These are all unhealthy, by the way. When we talk about the love languages, those are all healthy. And it's just about understanding your love language and the love language of your spouse so that you can speak that language. But when we're talking about fight languages, these are actually all unhealthy. Let me list them out. And Tracy, you help us understand them. Number one, escalation. Number two, withdrawal. And number three, invalidation. So as you listen to these couples, I encourage you to listen for your fight language. Tracy, explain to us escalation. Yeah, so what I mentioned earlier about my family growing up, escalators are the people that when you're upset, when you feel disappointed, when you feel like your spouse has hurt you in some way, your reaction is to yell, to raise your voice, to make your body language seem a little bit more aggressive and just kind of on on guard, basically. And it's kind of creating then a dynamic oftentimes for your spouse then of like, you know, whoa, okay, you're really angry. So that could just be yelling. It could be using colorful language. It could be name calling. It could be physically getting a little bit more aggressive. But an escalator is someone that as soon as you feel hurt or wounded or criticized for something, you're going to escalate and bring the temperature in the room up. So if you're a withdrawer, and a lot of times people that are married to an escalator become a withdrawer because they don't want to engage at that level. They want the temperature to go down. So they're running for the hills. So withdrawers are the people that when you get into conflict, you're saying, I want to avoid this at all costs. I'm not going to engage directly with you. I'm going to sweep it under the rug. I'm going to avoid, I'm going to just try to shut the conversation down. A withdrawer is saying, I don't want to have anything to do with this conversation. Now that's not productive either, right? So the escalator, you're not productive. If you're going to be yelling, that's not a safe conversation for your spouse to be in. But for with the withdrawer, it's not, it's not good either because now you're refusing to talk about the things that need to be discussed. And then that third one is the invalidator, which for a lot of people, maybe you don't even realize, maybe doesn't matter if you're an escalator or withdrawer, we all might be invalidators to some degree, but an invalidating person is when they're in conflict, they're just trying to rip the other person. Like you're overreacting or you're so over emotional and you're kind of putting down the emotional reaction of your spouse or what they're trying to express is hurting to them. You just want to invalidate it. You want to just invalidate the way they're communicating, what they're communicating and their emotions. So you can see how in all three of those examples, that's not creating an environment for a good, healthy conversation. And if you're in those fight languages, which we all kind of have one that has like our natural bent, that when we're hurt, we naturally want to go to that fight language. That's not helping us to get to the core of the issue. Because if I'm yelling at you, Brian, you're not really listening to what I'm upset about. You're watching what I'm that I'm yelling. You're focused on that. If you're a withdrawer, then you're just running away from the conversation. You're not getting to the core of the things that either your spouse wants to talk about or something that's hurtful to you rather than engaging and being honest. You're just kind of playing the silent treatment and not really saying anything at all. And then, of course, the invalidator, whoever wants to be in a conversation with someone and feel like they're making fun of how you feel. So those are the fight languages. Now, couples, we're going to encourage you to really think about this in your own marriage, which one, and, and you can be more than one of these, certainly, but one of these tends to dominate. Tracy, for us, um, you were more of an escalator, especially early in our marriage. I think you came into that marriage, again, with 
some of this was your personality. Some of this probably was maybe what you saw growing up in the home. And same thing with me. I can't, I come into the marriage with some of my background, how I envision a husband or a, or a spouse should be. And, uh, and so I was someone who withdrew. So for us, it was this typical kind of cat and mouse. You would escalate. I would be like, why are you yelling at me right now? And you would what you would yell back at me. I'm not yelling at you. Something like, do I do I remember that right? Something like that. Uh, sometimes. But a lot of times it was because you didn't trust. To go back to principle number two about trust is I hadn't really earned your trust that that I was going to listen to what you were saying. That I was going to respond properly to what you were saying. So again, some of you might be listening to this and saying, this is our dynamic exactly. One of us is an escalator, the other one withdraws. And so then again, it just it's it can become a vicious cycle, right? If you don't sit down and, well, first of all, identify it, put some names to it, recognize it, acknowledge it, <clears throat> and then learn how to deal with it in a healthy way. Again, so that everything that you say is good and helpful rather than being frustrating to each other. Yeah, and just another thing, it's not helpful to when you identify what your fight language is, your own and then your spouse's, that the next argument that you're in, you're like, you're, you know, you're such an invalidator. Or why are you escalating right now? Right? I mean, the point should be like, hey, I can tell that you're, I can tell that your voice is raising. I can see in your body language that you're upset. I really want to hear what you have to say. I'm right here. I'm ready to listen. Like that was something in our relationship, Brian, is me more of the aggressor in our communication and you more of the withdrawer that I had to recognize, like if you were saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm right here. I feel like you're kind of yelling at me right now. Can I really, I can tell you're upset. Let's talk about it. I'm listening. I'm right here. So then that was kind of the cue for me. Like, okay, I, I need to lower my temperature but you're also showing me like, I'm listening, I'm ready to listen. So for an escalator like me, then I have to look at that and be like, I don't need to be yelling. I have a spouse that wants to listen to me. Chill. <laughs> so, so that my message, what I'm really upset about can be heard. Yeah, let's talk for a second about the third one, because we relate the most to escalators and withdrawers, because that's what we are. And, and by the way, for couples listening, you can get better at this. When you acknowledge, when you recognize your tendency, then you really can, you can get better. So Tracy, you are, you don't escalate like, like you did early in our marriage. I don't withdraw like I did early in our marriage. We're much, much healthier because we've worked on it because we've learned to communicate better. And we'll give some real practical tips here in just a little bit. But let's talk for a second, Tracy, about that third one. Because in my book, the third one, Invalidation, is maybe the word, they can all be bad, but I think it's the most insidious of the, of the fight languages. What does it mean to invalidate? And then what are some tips for the spouse who, who does that? Yeah, I mean, again, invalidations anytime that you feel like somebody's saying, I mean, phrases like, you're being so emotional right now, what's wrong with you? Hmm. Or why do you always overreact all the time? Or that's ridiculous or you're so oversensitive, like those are all statements of just kind of invalidating the emotions of somebody else. So if you're on the receiving end of that, you know what it feels like when you feel invalidated. You're not hearing from your spouse or from someone saying, I can see that you're upset. I want to understand why you're upset. You seem sad. You seem angry. It's you're feeling like they're making fun of or they're minimizing what you're trying to say. That's what invalidation looks like. And I agree with you, Bri. That's 
the most insidious. And, and again, we all can be guilty of that, but there are some people that your fight language is primarily like you're so afraid of taking responsibility for your own part. You just have to invalidate what the other person's saying rather than taking responsibility. And that, that is the, that fight language is especially damaging because not only are you not listening to what your spouse is trying to communicate to you, but you're also really making them feel less than it's condescending. It's unkind. Yeah. That one is the, the one that is more a heart issue than the other two. And they can all be heart issues for sure. But I think if you invalidate someone, and again, we've, I've done it, Tracy, I've invalidated you and, and you've, maybe you've done it with me. I don't know, but I know I've done it with you. And if you've ever seen for, for our listeners, if you've ever seen a couple where the husband invalidates the wife, you know how that makes you feel like it's just ugly. It's not helpful. It's gross. You know, or maybe the wife does it to the husband. Mm-hmm. And it's, it re- to me, Tracy, it's a hard issue because I think, I think it's coming from a place that needs to be dealt with in you, the individual. You have got to hit your knees. I, couples, I encourage you, maybe even before you have this conversation, especially if you struggle with fighting and conflict and doing it healthy in a healthy way. Husbands, spend some time in prayer over this and really ask the Holy Spirit say, hey, Holy Spirit, I, I'm asking you to open my eyes, to shine a spotlight on me so that I can see what's wrong in me. Show me any wickedness in my own heart. Help me to see that. I always like to do that, Tracy, especially if we're going to, if I know we're about ready to engage in a difficult conversation for both of us, it's just helpful, helpful for both of us to spend a little time in our corners, you know, um, praying, really praying that, that we would hear each other, praying that our hearts would be softened, praying that, that we wouldn't be prone to invalidate or withdraw or escalate, that we would really be, we always like to think, think of it like this, that a, a healthy couple isn't toe-to-toe. A healthy couple stands shoulder-to-shoulder, that you're, even though you might be in conflict, you're still looking the same direction. You still want the same thing. You want a healthy marriage. You want a marriage that goes the distance. So that's a good visual. Whenever you feel like you're toe-to-toe, I think you need to soften your heart and come to each other and say, hey, I think we need to, I think we need to work on this. Let's, let's, Let's get our hearts in the right place so that sometimes that means that we can admit when we've invalidated or gaslit or when we're when we want to withdraw, when we want to give up, when we maybe when we say things we shouldn't have said or we didn't mean to say. And I think it's important to just have that soft heart before God. And Tracy, I think you model that really well. In our marriage, or many times, it's to my shame, I have to admit that you're the one that usually has to kind of break the ice and soften yourself toward me. And then that gets me to soften myself toward you. And I think it's really valuable that we have you in our relationship. A lot of couples out there don't have that person who's going to be the one to break the ice and be humble and and say, let's work on this. We need to work on this. And and to do it with, with a good heart rather than with an in a tone that is angry or escalating or invalidating or, or anything like that. So couples, as you listen to this, I'm sure you're thinking, man, we don't have someone like that in our marriage. You know, maybe both of you are stubborn. And I would just encourage you then hit your knees, honestly, like spend some time with God on this and say, God, help me to love husbands, to love my wife the way Christ loves the church. I think it's so valuable to get there. Yeah. You know, and I think that there's a reason why we build on the 
principles for a healthy marriage that we start with love and defining that love is a selfless, sacrificial kind of love. And then we build on that to then start talking about trust that if we really understand what love is about, then I'm going to want to earn trust every day. I want to, I want to show that I'm a trustworthy person in, in your eyes, Brian. And so as we work on understanding how we should love one another and putting the other person's needs above ourselves, when we start to understand that trust is a is a reactive response. And so I want to show that I'm trustworthy in the way that I love you and care for you. Then you can talk about communication in a more productive way to your point about having the right heart that, like you said, then when it comes to communicating or when it comes to times that we disappoint our spouse, that our response isn't, I don't care. Or my, my response isn't, I'm going to prove that my perspective is right and yours is wrong. And like you said, be toe to toe that, in, in a loving relationship where I'm preferring your feelings and, and your needs above my own, then when it comes to conflict, that I don't want to make you feel like you're less than or that your perspective doesn't matter or that I don't care that I hurt your feelings, that when we have a conflict, that if I'm mean to you or if I say hurtful words to you, that that's tearing away from trust and it makes it a more adversarial relationship where it's like we're in a courtroom and we're both going to argue our points and the best argument wins. Well, no, in that scenario, we lose. We both lose. So in a healthy marriage, our mindset, like you're saying about a soft heart, coming to conflict, coming to those harder conversations where there's hurts involved, that your mindset is not, how do I take my spouse down? <laughs> how do I, how do I out argue their perspective so I can win that you come to it and say we're either both going to win or we're both going to lose and it's how we treat each other it's how we mm -hmm. listen to each other and it's how we move forward in those conflicts so Tracy let's get to some really practical skills for people out there couples out there because again I get it I I've, I can totally relate to the couple who's out there or maybe maybe one of the spouses who's out there who says I didn't learn really any healthy skills, communication skills, conflict skills. I didn't really learn any of that growing up in my home. And so some of you feel like you're behind the eight ball a little bit. And so, you know, this is something, Tracy, you have a master's in counseling psychology. I have a master's in math. So you're a lot more valuable when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I think it's, it's important for people to get these really practical tips. And I want to talk these through. And these aren't just you know, in writing for us. These are things that we do, we use in our life. We've used them in our marriage, especially early on. You don't have to use it quite as um, as woodenly as you're going to at the beginning. Later on, you get a little bit better at this. You don't have to, you don't have to be so, um, I don't know, literal about these tips, but I want to give you some very literal tips today. And, and this, these are sk some skills that are going to help you in your marriage. So Tracy, the first one is, using I feel because statements. What is that? And what's the alternative to that? Yeah, the I feel because like you're saying, as you learn that, then that becomes more of the natural way you communicate that instead of coming to your spouse and immediately saying, you're such a jerk, or you always do this to me, that doesn't start a good conversation because you just immediately put your spouse on the defensive, right? So it's better to come to a conversation and say, I'm feeling hurt right now because you missed my birthday <laughs> or because you 
didn't call me to say that you weren't coming home for dinner tonight or whatever that and I feel because statement is you're stating this is just this is how I feel I'm not accusing you I'm just saying this is how I feel and here's why that's a beginning conversation that then your spouse if your spouse wants to be healthy will then engage in that and be like okay I'm hearing right now that my spouse is feeling an emotion upset hurt angry disappointed and they're giving me the reason why now we could start a conversation. And that's really important, like I said, versus how many of our conversations start where we immediately, we ruin it before we even get started by starting with a use, more of an accusatory tone where you're being kind of aggressive and your spouse is immediately going on the defensive because who wants to come into a conversation and feel like you're already being told everything you did wrong that... The better way is to come with an I feel because kind of statement. Okay, so that's sort of on the part of the spouse who has the issue. Okay, so spouse A has an issue with spouse B. And so step number one is to come and use I feel because you're talking about how you feel. You're not accusing, you're not pointing fingers. You're coming at it from a vantage point that you can speak to for sure because your feelings are your feelings. So Number two, then, practical tip number two is really the response of spouse B. So spouse B has to do what we call active listening. Tracy, walk us through that. What, is, what does it mean to listen actively to your spouse? Yeah, active listening is just a skill that rather than, well, tuning out and not really listening at all, that you're engaging in that moment because, again, you're trying to create a conversation, where there's an exchange going on. So if your spouse comes, you're healing, hearing I, I feel because statement, then your job in response is to say, tell me more. Help me understand that more. I want to understand what you're saying. So active listening could be like, so what I hear you saying is you're angry that I once again didn't call to say that I wasn't going to be home for dinner. And that's frustrating to you. So you're kind of repeating back. You're kind of mirroring what you're hearing your response your spouse saying about their response of being hurt and the reasons why. So an active listener is eye contact, listening, body language that's communicating to spouse A, like, I care what you're saying right now. I could even repeat it back to you to show you that I'm tracking with where you're going. So spouse A, this is how I'm feeling and here's why. Spouse B wants to listen, to understand, not to rebut, not to invalidate, not to, well, you did it to me, so I did it to you, but just really to be a listener in that moment, your job, spouse B, is to just listen to what your spouse is saying right now, how they're feeling. Yeah, and so I, I could hear this spouse objecting, saying, well, wait a second, what about my feelings? I have feelings too. I have a perspective too. What would you say to that, Tracy? Yeah, so again, if the goal is to have healthy communication, then you first track and understand what your spouse has brought to you, whoever starts that conversation. And then you could say, you know, I have some thoughts and some feelings on this too, but right now I'm hearing what you're saying. And then in a few minutes, I want to have an opportunity to share how I'm feeling. Or maybe within the course of the conversation, you could say, you know what? I totally understand that you were hurt and I'm really sorry about that. If I'm being honest, I felt the same way. I was hurt the same way. And then the other spouse can be like, okay, we both, we both were hurt. We both misunderstood. But the point is that you are not just immediately going to your own selfish perspective of, well, your feelings are hurt, well, so are mine, that the goal in healthy communication is if your spouse comes to you saying, I'm hurt, I'm sad, I'm angry, that your first response would be, 
help me understand that more because I don't want to hurt you. I don't want you to be sad. I don't want you to be frustrated. So what about if spouse B is really trying active listening and spouse B says, okay, what I hear you saying is X, Y, Z. And what if spouse B is wrong? Spouse A is, <laughs> is like, no, that's not what I'm saying. So you just throw up your hands and the fight's over or what happens next if spouse B doesn't get it right, which by the way, happens a lot. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's interesting, we all have filters. So, you know, depending on how long you've been married and some of the bad habits you've had as you're trying to do communication in a healthier way, your filter might already, like it might be certain words, it might be a facial expression of your spouse or body language that you just react to even before they say anything. So it really is kind of an exercise of not being reactionary that way. And so if you repeat back what you think you heard your spouse say, and they say, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Then you say, okay, try me again, right? Go back to the first step. Say it again. I want to understand your perspective. So tell me again, because I want to get it right. That's, that's the attitude for a spouse that wants to have a healthy conversation. So you just yeah, have to keep working at it. Because the truth is, it might not just be the filter of spouse B, it might be, sometimes it's true that spouse A didn't communicate it as clearly. A lot of times, mm -hmm. if you have a problem with something, I'm sure you, listeners can understand this, sometimes it's hard to even fully know what your problem is. Like, I can't even put a finger on it, but I'm going to try. And so if you're a little bit unclear, spouse A, you share your perspective, I feel this way because... And then spouse B tries to say it back to you calmly and you hear, you hear it back. And maybe spouse B does say just what you said, essentially. And then you realize, well, I don't, I don't think that is my issue actually. Mm -hmm. And so try again, say, mm -hmm. okay, I think you, I think you did say it right. But now that I've heard you say it back to me, uh, let me, let me try again. Cause I think mm -hmm. I need to say it a little differently. It's yeah. okay. Like extend grace to each other for this. Some of this is you're thinking out loud. Some of this is you're processing still. You're, a lot of these conflicts are can be kind of complicated and we don't always know even ourselves. We don't always even know our situation. So we, we might have a lack of trust of our spouse, but we also maybe, maybe are a little bit unclear in, in our own heads about what's going on and why we're feeling this way. And so try it again. Spouse A articulates it again. Spouse B, what I hear you saying is, so Tracy, sometimes a couple might have to spend some time yeah. doing this and working through this exercise. And again, that's what I'm saying. Like when we really have established what, what true love, biblical love is about, that it really is about preferring your spouse above even your own thoughts and feelings. And if it's really about wanting to earn trust that you're a trustworthy person, that your spouse, you're a safe person for your spouse to be vulnerable with, then in these conversations, when it comes to conflict, like you're giving room for your spouse, like in that example, you're saying that, okay, maybe because emotions are not always, they're not always rational. I mean, you might, like you said, you might come and you're just upset. And then as you explain it, you're like, okay, well, all right, maybe that was dumb or, or it's like peeling the onion. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm reacting to this, but really it's because there were five other examples of times that you've blown me off, or I feel like you haven't been respectful of me or whatever. So it's like, be patient with each other, earn trust with one another. You really care about getting, getting to the bottom of it. What is it that really bothers you? And not from mm -hmm. a place of like, convince me that I should listen to you, that your argument makes sense, but rather you're entrusting me with an emotion right now. And as your spouse who loves you, 
I want to understand it. So forgive me if I didn't reflect it back quite right. I want to get it right. Maybe, maybe I can ask some follow-up questions that's going to help you to realize what exactly it is that's bothering you, but you explore that together. Right. Because you're on the, you're, again, this might be just revolutionary for some couples listening to this. This isn't how you think of conflict. You probably think of conflict as toe to toe, not shoulder to shoulder. And really what, when you use, I feel because the assumption there, person A, spouse A, is that your spouse cares about your feelings. I hope that's true. So when you come at them with I feel because rather than an accusation, you're you're communicating to them, this this is how I feel. And if you love me, you should care about how I feel. It might not even be all your fault. I but we might find that out in the course of this of this uh conversation. But I want you to I want to know that you're on my side. I want I want to know that you love me and are willing to work through this conflict with me so that we can get to the bottom of it together, shoulder to shoulder, not toe to toe. And one other thing, I think it's important, Tracy, let's speak for a second to this, that when you start using some of these tips in your marriage, it, it, just be ready. It's not, gonna, it's not gonna work out perfectly every time. You really are gonna have to extend some grace to each other. And one of the things that you'll notice if you haven't noticed this yet is that your your conflict, the troubles that you have, especially if you've gone 20 years without really doing conflict well, you've got you've been sweeping it, sweeping it under the rug like my family of origin used to do. You're going to have this huge pile of unresolved stuff under that rug. And once you start pulling out some of those pieces, you're going to find out that there's a lot more in there. And so what we really encourage you to do is Take it one issue at mm -hmm. a time, right? When, when you start unraveling these things, sometimes you feel like this is never going to end. And so tip number three is to, is to make sure to work together to find solutions. So you've used, you've used I feel because statements, you've used active listening, and then once you've done that, now at the end, you can say, how are we going to resolve this? How are we going to solve this? Like, what are we going to do moving forward? What can I do to earn your trust more? You know, whatever. How can we solve this and make this better so you don't feel this way anymore, right? But even when you're getting to that last step, finding solutions, just remember you might have to just find solutions to some of the small battles. And as you become aware of the larger war that you might be waging, I think you need to say, let's not try to win the war just yet. Mm -hmm. Let's just try to solve, let's just try to win this little battle and that little battle. And over time, once you accumulate enough of those wins in the battles, you can start to really address maybe the deeper issue, the, the war that you guys have been having in your marriage. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the most important things that when you have a vulnerable conversation, that the goal of the conversation isn't just to one spouse to express all their hurts and the other spouse to be like, I hear you, I see that you're mad, and then end it there. That's, that's not healthy conflict. That third piece is getting to solutions. Like, how do we avoid this particular situation from happening again? How can I be better about respecting your feelings or, or whatever the issue is and kind of find a way to close out, so to speak, that particular thing? Next time I'm going to do this. Next time I'm not going to do that. And so together we've kind of come up with a solution and we're going to move forward with those new things in place. And like you said, especially if you're a couple that has a lot of unresolved things, 
like you said, you got to go one issue at a time. We have some other topics in the library. One of them is the state of the union and our marriage, which is something that John Gottman talks about that you just choose one issue, talk about that one issue and then move to the next one. Don't try to resolve three things. And then don't also as a spouse, you know, take one situation and then throw five other ones in there that also have made you angry. Like if the goal is healthy conflict, then just go one at a time and earn trust with one another that you can be vulnerable with each other. The other person cares and is going to listen and that together you work towards solutions. So now you're building some confidence, you're putting trust in that trust account, and you're moving forward so that less conflict is happening that's going unresolved because you're, you're showing one another, we care about each other, we see success in ways that we've resolved things. And so we're not going to be afraid to have these future conversations and we're going to move forward in a better way. Okay, so that is pillar number three out of three for a healthy marriage. We've talked about choosing love. We've talked about earning trust. And this last one is to keep talking, keep working on those practical skills of communication because love and trust are great, but without the practical skill of good communication, your marriage might not, not go the distance. So learn how to use I feel because statements, learn how to be an active listener to your spouse when they come to you with some of those statements and then work together shoulder to shoulder toward, you know, solutions, really solving some of those things in your marriage and your marriage doesn't have to just be a lifelong marriage. It can actually be a beautiful, wonderful, fulfilling lifelong marriage. And that's the goal. So again, if you want to learn more about this topic, if you want to talk about this with a marriage mentor, with your spouse in a small group, I encourage you to find it all at pursuegod.org forward slash family. We've got marriage and parenting content there. This is in our series called Marriage Basics, and they really are the basics that we will use as we continue to talk about healthy marriage throughout the weeks and months ahead right here on the podcast. So we hope you'll join us every week. Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.